Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Cersei podcast. Before we get into today's message, we want to remind you that if you'd like to get connected to what God is doing here in our local community, you can text the word Cersei to 88000 for more information. There you can let us know how we can be praying for you this week, get plugged into a life group, you can give online, sign up for a serve team, and so much more. Finally, you can find today's message notes in the Bible app. Just tap the link in the podcast episode notes to follow along with us. Now let's get ready to hear a great message today. Good morning to everybody here. Thank you again. I know Kim already said it, but thank you for coming out here on a rainy uh, holiday weekend. Thank you for being in church with us. Can we put our hands together for everyone who's watching online this morning? I just want to welcome uh, all of those that are watching. So thank you so much for being with us this morning from your campers and uh, your boats and uh, so thankful to have that that option uh, for people. Uh, it's been interesting how we've had to learn that over the past uh, year and a half, but we're glad that we now have that that option for folks. So, I have um, an announcement that I just want to talk about for just a second. We are going to go back to our spring fall schedule. Uh, we had gone to one service for the remainder of the summer. And now we're going to go back to two services uh, for fall and winter and spring. Um, and we will start that on Sunday, October 3rd. Okay, so that's four weeks from today. We'll be sure to announce that every week. We'll also put it out on social media, blast it however we, we can. We are making one adjustment to that. And it is uh, very simple. Uh, the reasoning is to just help our volunteers. We're really just thinking about them. So we're, we're going to take our 9 o'clock service and push it back to 9.30. So it'll be 9.30 and 11. Okay? So we'll start that 9.30 and 11 on October 3rd. Uh, two service options there. We'll also continue to have online at the 11 o'clock. So all that will stay the uh, same, but we do want to uh, invite you to put that down on your calendar, uh, help us spread the word. Again, we'll try to communicate that as much as we can over the next month, uh, but that does give those that have to show up early and prep an extra 30 minutes of time in the mornings, and uh, we're, we're going to try it. You guys know us. We're very informal, and so if it doesn't work, we'll change it again, okay? So, uh, but we are going to try that. So um, 9.30 and 11 o'clock beginning Sunday, October 3rd. We just came out of a Connect series. I want to thank you for going through that with us. I hope you know a little bit more about our church if you're new with us, um, haven't been in a while, have never gone through Connect. Um, I hope you have more of an idea about maybe how, how we function and do things, our vision, um, and a heart behind that. I want to thank you for signing up for life groups and serve groups. Truly is the heart of, of, of our church. I, I think serve group life groups are probably, and I, I said this a, a year ago, but they're probably the most important thing that we do. Um, even more so than, than, than the weekend service. So I just want to thank all of you who are seeing the heart behind that and connecting with it. And it's still not too late, as, as Kim mentioned. Uh, so uh, please sign up for that. I'll be pushing that for the next month as well. So today I want to talk to all of us. I think this is going to resonate with some of you more than, than others. But I'm going to talk about having a messy life. And 
I think maybe there could be some in the room today with a, a crowd this size, may, maybe even just a crowd of a dozen. There would be many that it, it would resonate with. But I think if you're here today and spiritually you look at your life and you're not where you want to be, maybe you're in a, a cycle, maybe you've lost traction, maybe you feel kind of stuck, um, your spiritual life has not moved forward in quite some time and it just doesn't feel good, it doesn't feel organized. Um, you've got a lot of faith challenges. You've got some question marks that keep coming back to you. I think today can speak to you some and bring some grace over your, your, your life. So I'm glad if that's you that you're here for this weekend. So I want to set this up and I want to talk about a phrase that we all know that has been around for quite some time, much longer than any of us that are alive in this room today. And that's the phrase, hot mess. Okay, Now, the, the phrase actually came about in the 1800s. It was a military expression, and it meant a hot meal. It referred to the mess hall, so like a hot mess or hot meal. And then in the 1900s, it remained a military expression, but it changed to express or describe a group of soldiers that it got themselves into a dangerous place. Thus the statement, they are in a hot mess. In the early 2000s, we recycled this word and have used it now for 20 years to describe something of more of an attractional disaster. So we look at people and we say a phrase, you are a hot mess. And that means like you're not put together, uh, you're disheveled, uh, what's going on with you, you don't look like yourself, act like, like yourself, you are a hot mess. This is an individual who has become so good at managing their mess, so almost a, a person who is functionally dysfunctional, and they're so good at managing their mess that we actually enjoy watching them. It's entertaining for us. We look at them and we go, Man, they, are, they are a hot mess, but it is so much fun to me. And we observe them and we laugh at them. Reality TV, this ability for us to be voyeurs, um, was born from our desire to observe other people's hot messes and compare them to our own and feel better about ourselves. That's why we love them so much. The, the Bachelor and the Bachelorette are still in the top 10 most watched reality shows. Uh, my wife still watches both of them. She's like, if I were single again and poolside with those 20 guys, which one would I choose? She calls that entertainment, but I call it what Jesus did, which was lust of the flesh. Okay? Um, but this is just a hunch, but it's probable that some of you over a Thanksgiving meal sometime or a Christmas meal, maybe even a Labor Day weekend, you witnessed a hot mess. You saw something unfold. You are... Uh, involuntarily committed to a group of people 
and a few of them are in a hot mess. And so you see it, you observe it. Maybe you yourself um, have been in a hot mess. Some of you are married uh, to a hot mess, and you were warned. You know, like, like his last three girlfriends took you out for coffee, and you still married him because you think you are the Joanna Gaines of relationships. And so here's a quick therapy session for you. You can fix a porch, but you can't fix a person. Okay, and so, uh, but this was your life, and you took it on, and now you're figuring out that somebody you are very close to is a hot mess. Well, here's the common denominator for all of us. Life is messy. Man, there's all kinds of things, depending on the personality types in, in this room, you know, really determines your perception of how messy your life is and how messy People are around you, and you could go into bigger things, politics, culture, health care. You can get into things that are personal for everybody in the room. And again, depending on your personality type, determines how messy you really think those things are. And so, but it is. It's messy. And sometimes you create the mess. Sometimes you inherit the mess. But we've all had one. And we try, you know, we try to get involved, put our expertise on it, our experience, our hands on it in order to help, in order to repair, in order to restore, in order to give some resolve. We try to get involved in the hot messes around us in order to make something work, even if it's inside here. Here's the good news. There's always someone with a bigger mess than yours. You're always going to be able to look around and go, I, I thought things were out of, out of control for me, but man, that, that is really out of control over there. And whether that's an unfair statement or not, it doesn't make it any less true. That there's always someone who's got something going on that's bigger than your issue. So I'm going to start by simply normalizing this and talking out this first point or idea, which is this. It's not just you. I think sometimes when we think we're in a hot mess or we've got a, a, a life that seems to be completely out of control, we, we look at our, our life and we go, man, I, I'm the only one who thinks this way, acts, acts this way, has have had these, these consequences. I'm the only person who's ever had this circumstance unfold the way this circumstance is unfolding, and that's not true. It's not just you. It's really part of the human condition. And regardless of whatever era of time we're looking at, there are people and groups of people who have experienced the same mess within the same context that you are experiencing it just in a different point of time. It's true, when we see someone in a mess, our first instinct when we look at a mess is to be critical. We look at them and we go, how did they, as talented, as beautiful, as gifted, as wealthy as they are, get themselves into that? Ironically, we do the same critique of ourselves. We become critical when we realize we are a hot mess. You let this happen again. You knew better. 
You're smarter than, than, than this. You've already done this once. And you become this, this critic. Here's some truth. If we understand that we're all messy because life is messy, then this truth gives us permission to be students of each other rather than critics. We're able to look at each other and our own story and be a student to get better, wiser, smarter, because we've seen it play out. We're watching it, observing it, experiencing it. And these two roads are completely different. You can get hard on yourself. You can punish yourself. You can critique yourself. You can reprimand yourself. You can talk down to yourself. Or you can learn something about a cycle you're in, about a negative pattern, about a behavior that the Holy Spirit just does not have control of of your life yet probably because the permission is not there from you to address it. The full surrender of everything in your life, the good, the bad, the ugly, every layer, every bit of it, surrendered to the work of the Holy Spirit. But we do go years and decades critiquing our own journey. Matter of fact, there are a lot of people, even in our community, who are not in a church this morning. They might be watching online, but they pass up attending because at some point in their lives, they had a mess. And Christians became their critic more than their confidant. Maybe some of you are sitting here this morning barely. Maybe you come because traditionally it was in you but someone, somewhere, part of your journey, a believer critiqued you instead of being a safe place for you. They were not a confidant. They were not someone who, who sharpened you. They weren't a shoulder to lean into. But they were quick to critique you, to judge you, to speak a scripture to you, to get on a soapbox at you, to rep reprimand you. To talk quickly about hell. Somewhere in you is this, is this very shaky, trembly part of your life that because if you ever expose, you know, the big thing in your life, if you ever tell anybody, then the consequence that comes from your Christians and brothers, your, your Christian brothers and sisters, is so much more difficult to swallow than what the world even would have given you. The world gave you more, more grace than the body. Luke 6 addresses this, and he says this in verse 42. This is really strong. I believe he's preaching this with a lot of authority. I don't believe this is like pen pals writing each other. I, I think this comes from a tone of, you need to get it together. All right? He says, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fell to see the plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. Take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Meaning this, you need to work out your own stuff first. Okay, This is a principle I like to call yank the plank. Okay, Everybody say it with me. Yank the plank. 
okay? We got some personal work to do before you critique, before you get onto somebody else, before you jump into someone else's life and tell them what to do and become, you know, the voice of reason for them. You need to yank the plank in your own life. And he's addressing it. He said, listen, you guys have have this reversed. You need to humble yourself before the Lord. You need to talk to God about your weakness. You need to get your stuff right. And then the Lord will use your own wisdom and journey to bless someone else's experience and journey. Second thing this morning, the mess that brings us together, okay? So if if everybody has, has a mess, the mess that brings us together is the same mess that brought God near to us. We're not hiding anything from him. He knows about it. There's not a secret in this room that is withheld from from God. Not a single one. The same thing that brings us together brought God near. And you, you can play that out in your mind, a conversation that may have existed or thoughts that may have been had. This creation that I love cannot resolve this on on their own. I'm going to go to them. The mess, the things we can't get over, past, through, under, around. God said, I've got to go to them. I have to be the answer. I have to be the one. For God so loved the mess that he gave his son. Red, yellow, black, and white, we're all messes in his sight. Do you know that historically, this topic I'm talking about tonight was so deep and entrenched into civilizations that in, in many, many, many ancient belief systems, when people had a mess, they expected to be punished for it. So it's like, I've got something going on, and it can't just end there. There has to be something happen to me, against me, to pay for the fact that I'm not perfect. This has been in many, again, if you study this out, many civilizations, they they would expect things like floods, the burning of their cities. They would expect to be overtaken by their enemies. They expected plagues. They expected Judge Judy. They expected someone to show up and come in and be hard to them. Because you did this, this is the consequence. Unfortunately, if I, if I, can, if I can park this in our driveways for just a moment, a lot of you were raised in a traditional religious setting where this was the outcome of a Sunday morning. You would leave church on a Sunday just going, man, it's true. I'm a bad person, and the pastor just, just confirmed it, and there's a very hot hell waiting for me at the end of this. And that really made you want to serve the local church, didn't it? It made you just want to just get on in there. We want punishment. It's for some reason it's in us. I got a mess, I need to be, be, be punished. I had a thought, I need to be punished. 
So bring on those floods. Bring on the destruction of relationships. Bring on sicknesses. Bring on an early death. Bring on something that doctors cannot resolve because I deserve that. My mess demands it. But when Christ came, he introduced a word to us that no one ever expected because no one had ever experienced it. It was the word grace. We did not understand the message of Jesus, this, this love talk, this forgiveness talk, this I'm going to take it for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to befriend you. Lord, you, you, can't, you can't befriend me because I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm, the, I'm not just a sinner. I'm, I'm the chief of sinners. Well, I'm going to use you the most. I'm coming to your house today. I'm coming over. For dinner, we're just going to talk. We're just going to get to know you. Are, are you are you going to are you going to talk about hell? No, we're just we're just going to talk. I'm going to talk to you about forgiveness and hell, right? No, just 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 the forgiveness part and the gnashing of teeth. No, just 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 the forgiveness part. No weeping. Mm-mm. No wailing. Mm-mm. No, burning for eternity? I'm going to talk to you about forgiveness. Come into your house. Do you know that I was well into my 20s before I heard a message about the grace of God? Meaning, you know, for me, as, as, as a young man who'd been raised in church, the theological construct of my life was pretty solid. Like I had resolved that this is how the world works and this is how it works through the lens of being a believer. And then I realized that God loved me beyond the mess. That he is the one who had a plan from the beginning before I ever existed. Before the world was framed. And it's stuff that we don't understand, don't need to understand, don't have to understand. But it's truth. So this mess that we have, that we've all experienced at some point in our lives, or maybe you're in it right now this morning, can become a lens. And if you can see your mess, then you are actively involved in grace too. Because if you can see the mess, then you can also see God at work in your life. Because you see that what should have happened by your own imagination did not transpire. That there is no connection between something happening over here and the fact that you've got a mess going on. There's no correlation between world events and your mess. You said to Kevin, wait, wait just a minute. There's, 
There's consequences, right? Well, sure, you've got those things. If I hit my thumb with a hammer on yeah, there's going to be some pain involved. But I'm not saying that the whole world is going to fall apart and your kids are going to be punished and suddenly you've unleashed this generational curse that's going to play its way out in your whole family because you're a hot mess. God is at work in our lives, in the mess, in the muck, in the mire. He did not come because you were perfect. He came because you had a mess that you could not deal with yourself. And he was strong enough and good enough and loved deep enough to say, I I can't watch this. I got to rescue that. I got to get involved. So three, the mess is a lens through which we discover God. Your mess, listen, should not be driving you from God. It should be pulling you toward him. It is a biblical principle that God is well-recognized in a mess. It is the Apostle Paul who teaches us this. Paul comes on the scene as a Jew whose life mission is to undo a new movement of Christians that he believes is just a knockoff of the real thing. And God radically gets his attention and Paul begins to plant churches around the Mediterranean rim and he's coaching these young churches and pastors and he's writing letters to them. And in one of these letters, he makes this great confession Okay, this is Romans chapter 3. You all know it. He says, all of us have sinned. And we've all fallen short of the glory of God. He normalizes our entire human existence and says, there's not a one of you in this whole room who have not sinned or fallen short of the glory of the Lord. You've all got a mess. And when we say this, we are normalizing imperfection. And in Romans chapter 3, verse 19, he says, now, we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under it, so that every mouth be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Listen, in this case, Paul is not talking about the law of Moses. Rather, he is saying there are ideas and people or a deity to whom we willingly submit our lives under. For us, that's God, Jesus, Scripture. And he's saying, so as we are under the hand of God, as we are under Scripture, the first outcome is this, that every mouth be quiet. Because I am under God, because I'm under Scripture, I'm not going to look at your mess and critique it. I'm going to be quiet. I'm not even going to look at my own mess and get down on my... I'm going to be silenced in my relationship with God. When we want to criticize ourselves, we should be quiet. When we want to criticize others, we should be quiet. Why? Because the whole world... Just as it has fallen short and sinned, is accountable to God. The whole world is accountable to God. 
Here's, here's a, a, a big one. You guys stay with me. Romans 3.20, he, he goes on two verses later. He says, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. And there it is. There lies the problem. Knowledge. Knowing it. Seeing it. I don't want you to raise your hand, but how many of you have ever been to church or been in prayer or been in meditation or been worshiping and suddenly you realize there's something in your life that is not the way you believe God wants it to be? You don't have to, have to raise your hand or acknowledge that, but you've had that experience. You suddenly know, you have a revelation that there's an area of your life that God needs to do some work on. This is why some people stop coming to church. This is why some people bail from a life group. This is why some people struggle to stay in Scripture. This is why some people get really nervous about eternity. Why? Because they're conscious of their wrongdoings. God made us in such a way that we know what the problem is. We see it. So, simply put, I know when I read the Bible. I know when I'm in the presence of God. I know when I'm worshiping. I know when I'm praying that I don't forgive like I should forgive. That I don't love like I should love. That I don't act like I should act. Why? Because all have sinned. And all have fallen short. So this is strong. Stay, stay with me just a minute. So not, not only can I not live up to Kevin's expectations for Kevin, but I have fallen short of the glory of God and I cannot meet the expectations that God has for Kevin because I am a hot mess. I've got all the things, all the struggles, all the challenges. Here's why we know that we're a hot mess, because every mess has a reference point, okay? The unmess, right? We know we're a mess because we see something that's not. In this example, or this sermon, that unmess is God. We compare ourselves to Him, we go, there's no way. I, I can't be like you, act like you live a life like you lived is, is, is very hard, Lord. I, I'm not designed the way you were designed. I'm not deity. I, I, don't, I don't have perfections in me, and if they're there, I, I, I don't see them often. But when we compare ourselves to the unmess, to the perfection, to Scripture, to Jesus, whatever you want to plug in there, then we know then what our marriages are supposed to look like and we know what it's supposed to look like to follow Jesus. We know what it's supposed to look like to be an honest employee. We know what it looks like to be a godly parent. We know what it's like uh, to be sober. And we look at those things and they seem mountainous. And we pray over them, and we ask God to deliver us. But when the day is done, you leave disappointed in yourself 
and where you are and the loss of traction and you remain in Romans 3, all have sinned, all have sinned. This seems like your, your daily stride, but here's Paul's big point. Okay, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to wrap, wrap this up really quick. Here's Paul's big point. The awareness of our mess awakens us to knowing that we are accountable to God and God's accountability just so happens to be love. It's, it's not that handful of lightning bolts. He's, he's not wringing his hands going, I can't wait till judgment day because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it on you people. The accountability that we're held to is love. And it's overwhelming to us. We don't get it. It doesn't feel right. This is why Adam's very first instinct was to run and hide. Not, not to go to God. Why? Because he, he knew, I, I'm, I'm going to be punished. This is bad. And he runs. And we've passed that on and passed it on and passed it on. And metaphorically, some of you right now are, are running and hiding behind trees and bushes in your life, hoping that the Lord doesn't see you. Simply said, the tension you feel when you're in a mess, the guilt you have when you fail as a spouse, the pressure you sense when you aren't being truthful is not a drive to be better, okay? I, I know I speak this from my own experience. I've tried to be better before and I have failed miserably. So the goal with God is, is, not, this, is not betterment. It's surrender. It's surrendering my life to a full and complete transformation by the Holy Spirit. I've sinned. I've fallen short. I'm sure I'm going to do it again. But in that is surrender, returning to the love of God, not being afraid of God, not hiding behind trees and bushes and rocks, hoping that he doesn't find me, that my experience and knowledge of who I am should not drive me to shut his Bible and, 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 and look away, but to be drawn closer to him. I see something in your word that you're showing me. Now finish the work in my life. Do it. Resolve it. Here's the greatest news that I could tell any of you this morning. God can handle you. All right? Listen, some of you need to hear that. God can handle you. You think your sin is too big, but he, he can handle you. You say, hey, Kevin, you don't, you don't understand the past that's back there. Some God can handle you. He can handle you. Kevin, what I experience is I lose sleep. It gives me anxiety. My past drives my depression. My tomorrow drives my anxiety. God can handle you. Right where you are, 
the circumstance, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. He can handle you. He's not scared of you. He's not turned off by you. He's not looking the other direction. He's not planning a flood for your life. He's not planning a disease for your life. He's not planning to harm your children. Those are all lies that you have told yourself is truth. God can handle you. So I would say this in close. We've all got something in common. We've all had a mess or we're in a mess. But some of you that this morning, I'm going to close that. You carry around with you everywhere you go a hammer. And whenever it happens, whatever the it is, you get the hammer out and, and you self-harm. You punish yourself. You beat yourself over, over the head with it. And I'm not saying you, you physically get this out. Maybe you do. But I'm saying relationally you sabotage yourself. Anything good comes into your life, you cut it off, you sabotage it, you won't let the Lord bless you. God tries to bring you a friend, you stiff arm them. God tries to heal your heart, you say, no, 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 I, gotta, I need to sit in this cesspool of brokenness for at least another couple years because that's what I deserve. You have to put your hammer down. That's, that's going to be part of it. You've got you to put those things down and let God love you. Because if, if, if you're waiting to come to this place, wherever that imaginary line for you is, and you say, man, if, once I cross that, then God can love me again. That line is movable always. Just let him love you right now where you are. So put, put your hammer down, okay? And let, let the Lord love you. Why don't you bow your heads with me in this place and we'll talk to your heart for just a second. Kevin, I'm here this morning. and.